This is Joe Cole, and you're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. Of course, your favorite Chelsea podcast. I, of course, am Nick, uh, joined today by our special guest, uh, monthly uh, contributor Nazar Kinsella of the Evening Standard. Uh, Naz, how are we doing today? Yeah, not bad. It's been a busy Christmas period for me. No break. Uh, just slogging through the matches more than ever. And uh, now we're straight into the transfer window. It's, we're used to it and it's uh, often busy, but at least Chelsea's form's improved because uh, there's been a few Christmases that have been ruined by very bad form. <laughs> and uh, it's been actually okay. Not bad. I saw a form table and Chelsea is sort of third after Christmas. Uh, just from the four games over that period. So not too bad, really. Yeah, we're going to talk, of course, about the January transfer window first. I think that's the thing that we're getting the most requests on right now. And so we we sent up the bat signal to you yesterday, and we're like, hey, let's quickly talk about this. Uh, And then, of course, we're going to look at the upcoming slate of fixtures and see maybe how Chelsea might net out in all three competitions in the month of January. But... Uh, before we do that, of course, just want to send some uh, gratitudes uh, to everyone. Thank you for all the five-star reviews. Thank you for the subs on on YouTube. Uh, that really does mean a lot to us. It really helps us reach new people, and that's going to be a pretty critical thing in January as we go through every sort of transfer rumor uh, that, that exists. Uh, of course, if you do want to join the Discord, Google London is Blue Discord. We're doing it straight through that platform now, not through Patreon anymore. Um, because we found it to be a better experience. So uh, Brandon should have taken care of everyone who was on there. But if you're a new person, of course, uh, let us know if you're having having any issues. Contact at LondonIsBluePodcast.com. And uh, look, we have some episodes coming up to end your uh, first week of January here. Cobham Crew Special with Phil goes out on Thursday, if you're listening to this on Wednesday. Uh, it's a doozy. Brandon gave us a little bit of a sneak preview, and uh, uh, we're... We're in it now for Phil. We're in the end game. Uh, and then we have a Preston North End uh, preview on Friday for the FA Cup fixture on Saturday. So it's five pod week. We're, we're back with a vengeance. And uh, and that's where we're going to start uh, with the new year. Naz uh, was doing a bit of perusing uh, of, of your articles before the uh, start of the show and uh, found that you had done some uh, New Year's predictions, shall we say? Uh, for for the evening standard, and uh, just wanted to uh, let you go through your predictions and, and perhaps justify your thinking. Well, yeah, I last year I just wanted to say that I predicted Chelsea would finish in Europa League places, so maybe I was too optimistic from a Chelsea point of view. But again, I've been optimistic and gone with uh, lifting the Carabao Cup at Wembley. I think that might happen. Um, I mean, the favourable. Semi-final draw against Middlesbrough. It's not going to be that easy, but, um, you know, there's still a championship club towards the top end, but you'd expect Chelsea to beat them, right? And then get to a final against Liverpool or Fulham. Uh, I'm sure some Chelsea fans will hope it's Fulham, but even Liverpool, I think, are mortal uh, this season. I know they're they're high-flying, but I think that Chelsea could do the job. Um, I think it's a good way into... Europe, uh, you get to the Conference League if you win that, and um, it would take a lot of pressure off the group, so it would be good uh, for Chelsea. But I do think they'll be quite inconsistent in the league. The youth of the team, I just think it's going to be tough. Like, you know, we've had some positive steps forward, but I just see, you know, the odd setback here and there. And when you're chasing, you can't afford too many setbacks. So, um, yeah, I I think they they, they might need a cup, really, to just guarantee Europe. But... 
yeah, um, you know, Europa League or Conference League could happen there. Um, I put Arsenal Premier League title winners, but that was before they lost two in a row, I must say. Um, I wrote it before then, um, and since it's sort of shaken my confidence, but it shows that I do think Arsenal should win the league based on what they've got in that squad. Um, I know they're lacking a striker maybe, but and that's why I said... Uh, maybe they'll sign Ivan Tony. Um, you know he's a Chelsea target. We, we're going to move on to transfers, but Arsenal are in there as well. Um, and and I think they need a player like that uh, if they can get him. Um, and then yeah, I sort of said uh, Arteta to accumulate yellow card record for the season. Man gets a lot of yellow cards. I mean, I know Chelsea get a lot, uh, but Arteta, he's a he's a poorly behaved manager there. Uh, and Liverpool to miss out on title glory. Don't forget, I'm from Manchester, so um, that might be wishful thinking. But uh, <laughs> had some fun with that one, did you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I need it to happen, guys. I need it to happen. Well, um, so it, I predict it will happen. It just will be City who will win the league again because they're the best team. So, so um, interesting. So boring, City winning the league now. It's getting yeah. boring. It's not really a prediction to list them as as winning the league. It's like you know, it's more of like reading a, a history book. Uh, okay, interesting. So, so you think Chelsea lift the Carabao Cup at Wembley? Interesting. Uh, I did predict that before the season started. So, no that would be a a real big coup for me. Uh, my prediction game has been real shit. So, <laughs> it'd be really nice to get one uh, one thing going right there, but. All right, we're going to hold you to these predictions all year. We're going to look back and go, what the hell, Naz? I got all my predictions right last year, except for um, except for the Chelsea one, so I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Yeah, well, just as long as Arsenal doesn't win the league and we win the Carabao Cup, we'll, we'll be just fine. Just fine. Uh, that's good. Good stuff. I I love the, uh, the rest of the... The standard crew had some wild stuff in there. I think you were the most measured by a mile. I, I could not believe some of the stuff I was reading in there. I think Ooh. we were encouraged to be wild a little bit there, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say. All right. Well, uh, New Year's predictions out of the way. Everyone's feeling the uh, positivity of the new year. Uh, you know, Chelsea uh, um, win a couple on the bounce, obviously, and, and feeling slightly better than where they were after Wolves. Uh, but... We're going to look at the January transfer window from a couple of different angles, right? First, we'll take a look at some of the kind of current playing staff storylines that exist. Then we'll talk about some loans, um, things that are happening within the club. Take a quick break, come back, talk about transfer ins, transfer outs, uh, and really try and break down what the market is for Chelsea in January as it's shaping up today. Uh, knowing that it changes all the time. And then, of course, we'll look at the upcoming fixtures and kind of predict how, how everything shakes out. Although we know that you think we're going to win the Carabao Cup. So there we go. Um, first and foremost, I think the name on everyone's lips uh, throughout December and, and it's probably started into January as well is Connor Gallagher, right? This is a player who has been captain for the most games this season and started every single match that he was suspended for. Um, he is by all accounts, one of the better performing midfielders in Europe, uh, by the Optus stats. He is, I think Chelsea's player of the season right now. Um, although Cole Palmer has given him a run for his money, 
there's also big rumors that he's a sellable asset and will be moved on to accommodate, you know, other sorts of moves coming in. I mean, what's your read on the Conor Gallagher situation as it stands on January 3rd at 2.30 p.m. in the U.K.? Yeah, this is one of those I can feel a bit confident talking about, especially because I don't think it will develop by the time the pod comes out. Sometimes you talk about something and something crazy has happened, but I don't expect that to happen with Connor. do expect it to be a quiet January for him, um, which will be good news and music to, you know, a lot of Chelsea fans ears. But, like, Connor is kind of a divisive player. Some people think he's brilliant and others don't. Um, but I think clearly we know that he's performed very well this season for Pochettino and anyone who... Thinks otherwise, um, probably isn't watching the football matches. They probably have a different opinion altogether. But um, yeah, from, I guess, let's talk about Conor Gallagher's point of view. I think that he um, is playing really well. He's really happy at Chelsea. He's playing every week, like you said. Um, Captain in his boyhood club. Don't forget, this is a Chelsea fan here. Um, and yeah, you know, there's um, a Euros at the end of the season, let's not forget. And and a lot of players I've looked into, not just Connor, they are thinking about their international, you know, future as well. Like, is the rest, is the next six months going to be uh, best served playing for this club that I'm at to get into that competition? And for Connor Gallagher, the answer is definitely yes. I mean, if he left for a Spurs, would he get in the Euro squad? Would he be on the bench initially at Spurs? Like, how would it work? You know, that all that kind of thing. Like, do I even take an unknown? So I think, like, from that point of view, it's a yes, it's best to be at Chelsea. So for me, I don't see a January move from Connor's perspective because he has to agree it. Now, I think that what a lot of Chelsea fans also want to know is, like, what's Chelsea's position and, and why is Connor's, Connor's contract running down, right? He's got 18 months left on his deal. Um, and we all know that that puts your future in doubt at Chelsea. Like, any player with 18 months left on the deal, Chelsea thinks, oh, if they get we get the right kind of offer, we should sell him because we are not a charity. We need to keep the money flowing. We need money coming in. We need money coming out. We don't want to be losing players on free transfers. That's a big thing from the new ownership group. When they saw Rudiger and Christensen leave on a free, uh, they were pretty annoyed about it and they saw the problems it caused. And I think it continues to cause problems even now, those two leaving on a free. So... They want to keep the sort of transfer stuff moving. And and yes, I think everyone at Chelsea acknowledges Conor Gallagher is one of the top performers. They know, they're watching it. They see that he's a great influence in the dressing room. He's a leader as well uh, as the captain, as the standing captain while Rhys James is out. Um, but they need to get that contract done or he could leave. Um, there's not been great movement on it. They have spoken to Conor uh, Gallagher about it. They have sort of had some meetings about it with the agent and things like that, but um, nothing's really moved forward. So I think that it's really, I think Connor stays pretty pretty likely in January, unless some staggering bid comes in. Like if, it, and I don't think they will. I don't. When I'm looking at the clubs across Europe, I don't see a bid coming in that will excite Chelsea at all. So um, I think Connor Connor stays. I think then it's down to the contract talks over. The next months, I don't think even Chelsea will start it until February, maybe. And then from February to the end of the season, we'll see uh, if Chelsea tie down Connor. And if not, then maybe he leaves in the summer. Uh, he's only got a year left then. And, um, you know, he's even more likely to leave, especially in the summer when clubs actually do have decent money. Then, you know, Connor might leave. But I think for now, it's, it's a case of Connor focused on his football. Chelsea get the best out of Connor. 
uh, and um, we'll see if a deal's agreed off the pitch. And uh, that I think that that's where this is moving towards. What What are we talking about from a contract perspective, though? Here, right? I mean, he he can't be on massive wages as it stands today. Uh, we know Chelsea want to keep the wage structure relatively tight compared to where it got under the previous ownership, but to give him something that's requisite with his title right now, which is captain, right, would be a big boost up, I assume, right, it, relatively to, to where he is today. I mean, it can't be a hard deal to get done if he wants to be here and the money is in the ballpark. Am I, am I wrong in thinking that? Maybe, um, maybe uh, you're maybe I don't. I think if Chelsea really want to do it, they can just do it, right? Um, yeah. Chelsea always have the power. Like they've got the money, they've got the the control of the situation. But it's like if Connor's playing above his level now, if 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 Chelsea believe that, if they give him a huge contract to stay and and be you know a leader, a captain sort of role, uh, you know one of the future captains of this club for years to come. Will he stay at that level? Will he will he continue? Like what what will Enzo and, and Caicedo's position be as well in that sort of future? Where will Lavia be? Uh, they've got Andre Santos, like Leslie Ugachukwu. Um, you know, there's all these sort of considerations. Like, what does it mean for everyone? Um, and I think that that's where the complexity lies. Really, is and you know, I've I've seen um, quotes from Caicedo's agent even, and he's come out on the record officially and given the number that his client's on, and he said that he's on 150k a week. Um, that's not a huge salary for a guy who cost over 100 million. That's great news for Chelsea. But, um, you know, Connor will want, I'm sure, around that. He's probably one of the least paid players now, and, and he'll he'll probably, if he agrees the deal, he'll be one of the most paid, paid, paid players. And uh, English players have a premium. We all know that. I mean, Reese yeah. James is one of the highest paid players in the squad. Uh, I think Raheem Sterling is the highest paid player in the squad. So, um, what is going to be the Conor Gallagher premium? Um, that's the question. And that's not, I can't tell, I'm not going to say a number right now because I don't know. Contract talks aren't even active, but I'd assume that, you know, it's around that sort of Caicedo money and um, he's a hundred pound, hundred million pound midfielder. So um, it's going to be interesting, those talks. I think money counts. I think squad role counts. It, it almost reminds me a little bit of the Mason Mount situation. And don't forget, Mount was in love with Chelsea in January last year um, and then sort of fell out of love with Chelsea and ended up moving on because of contract talks. It all got nasty. So hopefully Chelsea have learned the lesson. They can handle it um, in the right way. This, these are guys that love the club. They're academy guys. And and um, I think a lot of people want them to stay. So uh, I think that it'll be key. The contract talks will be key, but I'm just sort of setting it up about yeah. The kind of conversations they'll have. This isn't information or, or transfer stuff, but this is, you know, this is what's going to happen, right? Um, I'm kind of talking about the future and um, this is kind of what could happen. So that's the way I'd set up the Conor Gallagher situation right now. But yeah, the good news is he's going to help Chelsea this season, in my opinion. I'm I'm really, really sure that he'll be a Chelsea player on February 1st. Do, do you see the contract length being part of the sticking point here because obviously Chelsea are trying to do amortization uh, of, of transfers in, but I mean, you're, you're talking about kind of wages here and thinking about what a three to six year extension. Is it in, you know, is that kind of where his head is probably at? Yeah. I think most English players would like shorter deals. That, that was something that happened with the Mount situation as well. Like, trying to get him on seven, eight-year deal is tricky. And all English players are kind of like this. It's not their nature 
to go for that. They want to have a, another round of contract talks. That's kind of how it works. You know, you sign a deal, you play well, and then yep. you have another round of contract talks in two years. That's what's happened with all the Arsenal players. Saka's been in talks recently over a big new deal um, and that kind of thing. So uh, I think that that's what English players like to do is sort of shorter deals um, and then, yeah, renegotiate and, and earn a lot of money over their career. There's an English premium for sure. And that's just a quirk of the way the Premier League is in, in English football, really. Yep. Makes total sense. Um, last one in the current players uh, grouping, uh, Alfie Gilchrist. Uh, a guy who has given a lot of Chelsea fan, uh, fans some holiday joy. Uh, last couple of weeks, you're, you're looking at a, a, an academy player who's captained every academy level, who's finally kind of getting his chance to come on. John Terry's given him a ton of love in the media. Um, saw him in preseason, obviously, in the States uh, for, for little bits here and there. Do you think that he is in a point where he can – contribute more to this team uh, and, and this will have implications on the transfer ins uh, talk that we have later as, as a center back stroke right back or, or some sort of auxiliary cover or are you more on the man a short-term loan could really get this guy playing um, and, and get him some valuable experience in the championship for example yeah, I think it'd be great to have him in the championship in the in the future. But I think that actually Chelsea have so many injuries right now that maybe it's better to just keep him around. And um, yeah, I mean, maybe assess it at the end of the window. Hopefully a championship club, you know, still comes in um, and that kind of thing. I think that it might be better to keep him around it. Um, it's really hard for defenders to break through as well um, in football these days, especially English football, like centre-backs. Everyone wants a super experienced, super big um, powerful, died in the wool centre back, and and he needs experience. But um, I think that keep him around. Like it's great. The cameo has been great, inspiring. I mean, I think it's so underrated that tackle he made at the end of the uh, Luton game. I mean, Doherty was putting in dangerous ball after dangerous ball. That second half, I was like, my God, don't let that guy cross the ball. But Chelsea were letting him, and then Alfie comes on, stops him. Brilliant one v one defending, wins the ball. You know, it's the last action of the game, boots it away and the whistle goes and he's celebrating it like a goal. It was just, I think it's inspiring. I think it gives everyone a lift having him on the pitch just because he feels it. And I think Chelsea need that vibe right now as well. So, yeah, keep him around for now. I think that's the attitude anyway. I think I'm sort of giving Chelsea the opinion here from what I've heard is they're going to keep him around and assess it later in the window. Um see where they're at with injuries. Maybe Shalabar's back and they can sort of let him go um, and Shalabar can play a bigger role in towards the end of the season. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think we'll obviously talk about Trev uh, as we get into the transfer outs. But um, next up is loans. Uh, we are trying to figure out all of these different loan moves that happen. Obviously, Chelsea had a busy loan period in August trying to get people out uh, and, and kind of shrink the uh, size of the squad, obviously. Uh, a couple of big ones. Uh, Andre Santos has officially been recalled as of this morning uh, to Chelsea from uh, Nottingham Forest, uh, among the very worst loans that Chelsea have ever done. He got, I think, 90 minutes total of, of playing time or so, there thereabouts uh, for Forest. And so he's back in the squad. But as Chelsea Youth points out, he's also been selected to Brazil's squad for pre-Olympic uh, tournament qualifying, which runs until the 11th of February. Uh, so if he's there the entire time, that, of course, limits 
any sort of impact he could have at Chelsea or on loan elsewhere. Uh, I think potentially 14 Premier League uh, and Championship match days after that. So not a ton of time for him to, to make an impact if he does get called up to Brazil. But what are your thoughts on on Santos? This has been the, the weirdest one of all the loans for me because it made such little sense at the time. Yeah, I think that in Chelsea's defence, when they did loan him, I think that Forrest probably had a bit of like space in midfield, but then they went inside two midfielders on deadline day. One of them cost like 30 million and is a player that most teams in, in mid-table would build their team around Sangare. He was linked with Chelsea in the past. I think Chelsea even made a bid on him, um, not this summer, but the summer before that. Um, so a big player uh, for them. Um, and then Santos is just like holding his hands up, thinking, God, I'm really up against it here. And uh, yeah, it was a bad loan because um, I think it's a bad loan because he's a real talent as well. Like we expect him to play he's good. Um, I've seen him play now a few times in pre-season and I was so impressed. I thought he'd yeah. stay. I thought he'd stay at Chelsea. I thought he was decent, um, really good enough. And, and his pedigree is brilliant. 19 years old, Brazil international. Um, Brazil don't give you caps for, for, you know, very easily. So, um, yeah, I would really like him. And I think that the plan is take the slow decision here, uh, similar to sort of Alfie Gilchrist in a way. Um, just take your time and they've sent Alex Matos out on loan. I think I might have busted your uh, rhythm there. Cause I think you're going to the whole <laughs> script. He's a midfielder. Matos has played all over the show for Chelsea, but he is a midfielder. So he's gone out. So you, you know, that's a bit more space for Andre Santos maybe to play. Uh, Ugo is injured. So he's been getting decent minutes whenever somebody's suspended or injured. Um, Enzo's not fully fit either and, and I think um, Andre can do the Enzo role he's good on the ball really good on the ball um, he can be a destroyer but he can play as well um, so I think it's actually not a bad time for him to stick around and you mentioned that Brazil call up as well um, in the unusual like Olympic qualifiers he loves playing for Brazil so he's going to do that I think like I've not heard for sure but it's um, he loves playing for Brazil. Um, so I think that that's going to happen. And, and maybe it just means he's going to stay at Chelsea. I think it's trending in that direction. Palace have asked for him, asked for some information. Palace are up for a loan of a midfielder. But yeah, it's not the most attractive. And, and then he's got to look at championship after that because um, he can't go on loan overseas. They had Porto interested in him in the summer, but Chelsea have filled their overseas loan spots. So uh, it, it's basically a case of, Staying at Chelsea is becoming a good outcome for Chelsea. It's a good outcome maybe for him. He can play for Brazil, um, get used to Chelsea, and and maybe that's the best way to spend it. And then and then reevaluate where we're at in the summer. Either go and loan then, or maybe he's convinced Poch. But I'm pretty convinced by him. I think he's I think he's quality from what I've seen. Yeah, I mean, you look at the need. I think I, I quote tweeted your your uh, tweet yesterday, but. Enzo not fully fit, might not be fully fit through the end of the year if it's a hernia situation. I mean, that's a serious, difficult-to-manage injury. Yeah. Uh, Caicedo, been up and down from a fitness perspective. You assume that he's going to get more fit, but we have another slate of internationals coming up in March that could you know, derail all of that. Uh, Connor's on fumes throughout the, you know, as fit as he is, he was on fumes throughout the entire festive fixture period because he's played every game this year. Uh, you, Leslie, not, yeah, Lavia, not, we're we'll talk about injuries to close out the show, but like right now we have two fit first team quality midfielders. Um, you know, maybe Enzo's a 
you know, kind of scrap minutes guy for a little bit until he gets fitness back. But this would seem like a no brainer to me. Uh, and in your article, it's not guaranteed that he'll stay. It was also getting uh, uh, some sort of attraction from Newcastle as well. So I don't understand that from a squad management perspective. Wouldn't you just bring him in, have him kind of close out games and give you some, some rest for, for those who need it. And then maybe get the occasional start in a Carabao cup match or something like that. Yeah, I agree. And um, I just want to say on Newcastle, um, that won't happen um, because they've got um, they've got Lewis Hall on loan, and and they're not. I don't think they're cutting short Lewis Hall's loan. There, they're actually giving him some time, and I think he will end up going there permanently. I know. Again, I've uh, busted your scripts here, Come on, <laughs> but <ass. laughs> but yeah, you can only loan one player from one club uh, in the Premier League during the rules. So like, he can't go to Newcastle, and um, he's not going to go permanently. That's historic interest. Um, but yeah, I agree with you totally. And um, yeah, you mentioned like Enzo, he's he's really not looking fit. I mean, that Luton collapse, that almost collapse, that was when Enzo was on the pitch and Kunku. And you saw the weaknesses in them. And I, I, I love both players uh, potentially for the future. And when they're fully fit and up and running, they could be real top class players. But they were they were a huge part of the reason why Chelsea collapsed. And if they just had a physicality, and Alfie's probably, Alfie Gilchrist has far less pedigree, but actually did way more to contribute to the draw in his very short time on the pitch. So it shows you that it's, you've got to be pragmatic just to get over the line in these matches. And maybe Andre can contribute something there. You, you did match, uh, mention Matos, obviously going to Huddersfield. Um, this is a place where Levi Colwell uh, had a really good loan spell a couple of years ago. Um any quick thoughts on on what he is going to be looking at for roughly six months or so? Yeah, um, it's it's a great place to develop. I mean, any championship loan you can't sniff at; they're very hard to come by. Actually, you have to be a very good player to get a you know a loanee get a, get your loanee in there, especially at like um, nineteen years old. Um, Tino Andrian's been there as well. Levi Colwell, uh, Casey Palmer for people who can remember. Oh yeah. Far- Back. Uh, he was he was fantastic over there. Um, yeah, there was also um, there was also another one I'm trying to remember. But you know, was, Huddersfield have a great track record with Chelsea loanees, and the staff around there are brilliant. Um, and they kind of need the players as well. They need them to sort of survive relegation and things like that. They've they've sort of become a bit of a relegation mid-table type club in the Championship. But um, yeah, uh, they're, they're kind of a great location to develop, really. And championships are really high level of football, so um, this is great. It's a great, you know, Matos really deserves it as well. Um, he's been really impressing people at Chelsea behind the scenes. Uh, Huddersfield won't take him lightly. They only want the best, I think, from Chelsea sort of academy. And um, you know, Levi Colwell's a perfect example of that. He certainly is one of the best. So um, yeah, it's it's a great move for all parties, and that's what loan moves should be. We're talking about the Andre Santos one. You know, I'm expecting this is the the opposite. This is what it should be like. And, um, yeah, I'm very excited about it, actually. And uh, his debut could be against Man City in the FA Cup. So uh, no pressure there, Alex. Let's see how you do. Uh, he's, he's used to playing Man City at the youth level, obviously, uh, and, and had some success there. So let's see. Uh, final one here is Zach Sturge. Uh, he was recalled yesterday uh, from loan, uh, did not necessarily have like the most productive loan at Peterborough some thoughts that he could be kind of deputy cover while Chelsea sort out whatever the hell we're going to do with the left back situation a lot of flux there between Colwell playing there and and maybe not playing the best there 
missing out on Kukure and Chilwell right now. Matson obviously not being trusted over there uh, as a standalone left back. Do you think there's any chance that Sturge stays with the squad uh, for the next six months, or do you see them? Uh, do you see him going back out on loan somewhere else? I can certainly see him probably being in that category of Andre Santos and um, Alfie Gilchrist, just sort of around the squad, acting as cover. Um, see where we are later in the transfer window. We've still got a bit of time left. So, uh, yeah, if, I think Chilwell is quite close as well. So, you know, if Chilwell is back and feeling fit, then, um, you know, it might be a case that we can loan him um, and things like that. So, yeah, he's useful, I think. I'd, but also remember, like, uh, if Andre Santos or Zach Sturge play for Chelsea, they can't go on loan. So, um, you're only allowed to play for two. We're, we're getting to a lot of regulations here already, but if you play for two clubs on loan... Break out the rule book, Naz. Let's slam right. it on the table. Come on. If you play for two teams in a season, you're not allowed to play for a third, and that's just across the board. So, um, yeah, if Andre Santos plays for Chelsea, he can't play for another club until uh, next season, and same for Zach Sturge. So, yeah, I think having them around and see what see what ends up being the best thing, but um, no-brainer to recall him. He wasn't playing enough at Peterborough United. They did like him there, I've been told, but it's just um, they actually have the best left back in the in League One. So it's like, you know, it, it was a right decision not to play Zach. He was very unfortunate and um, he didn't get enough game time. So he's been recalled. But um, yeah, he's very he's a very good player, actually. And uh, I'm very excited about him, but very unlucky on that loan, unfortunately. And, and not a lot you can do about it, really. Well, let's see if he uh, ends up showing up against Preston. That'd be a very interesting play. Um, so look, we're going to take a quick ad break. Uh, obviously, we have a ton more to cover with transfers. Uh, but thank you to the sponsors, and we will be right back. All right, Naz, uh, to everyone's favorite part of, of this whole special is, is all the transfers. We're going to start with the outs, though, because we just finished the previous section talking about Zach Sturge and the implications to the left-back conundrum at Chelsea, which there has been all season with Levi Colwell playing more minutes there than anyone else, uh, which is not what I had on my bingo card to start the year. Uh, let's talk about Ian Matson. Uh, a lot of smoke around whether Dortmund will have the capability to meet the kind of 31 million pound valuation that Burnley put on uh, during the summer. And in retrospect, Chelsea probably should have taken just due to the amount of minutes that he's actually played. Um, what are your thoughts on Ian Matson leaving in this window and what Chelsea might be able to get for his services? Well, let's 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 put it right. Chelsea did accept that Burnley bid; they were ready to sell him, but um, Matson didn't want to go to Burnley. So, uh, you know, he wanted to give it a go at Chelsea, and fair play to him. I always respect yep. players take their future in their own hands, do what they want to do. Um, and you know, he's tried his best. He's struggled. He's played left wing, right wing, centre midfield. Not centre midfield as in like a pivot. He's been an attacking midfielder, and this is a guy who is probably a left back slash left wing back uh so yeah it's been tough for him i think the last few months and um, certainly that's what it's looked like from the outside but he's a great kid great professional and he's done a job for chelsea actually because they they've needed his versatility and um, sometimes he's the only player who can play in those positions but for the future um i think that he's the most likely to leave in january and if chelsea sell players in january it's sort of good news for people who want transfers because they kind of need to do a one in one out thing they don't have they can they've got loads of money Chelsea but they don't have like much financial fair play room you know you can't just keep spending forever even if you have the money you've got to like balance the books in terms of you know fulfilling what Premier League and UEFA want for for the next few years you've got to sort of do that 
Um, so yeah, he's getting serious interest. It's not just Dortmund, but Dortmund are in really strong now. And I think that, you know, Matson rejected Burnley and he rejected Burnley because he's been there and done that. I think he wanted to try and get to the next level, um, try and do it with Chelsea at first. And then if he can't do it at Chelsea, I think he wants a club of similar stature. And, um, you know, I know the Bundesliga is not as good as the Premier League, but Dortmund are a big club and I could see that being of interest to him. But um, the other problem with football nowadays is that German clubs can't afford what English clubs can afford. Dortmund can't bid as much as Burnley. So uh, that's that's the reality of the situation and, and they're struggling to get a deal done. He can't go on loan there because Chelsea have filled their loan spots, as we said, with Andre Santos. No overseas loans allowed unless they cancel a Diego Moreira one or something like that. So that can't happen. So, uh, yeah, it's a tricky situation. Um, I think that um, it could happen eventually. It might happen in summer as well. I think Chelsea might just think, we could just keep him. He's useful. Um, he's helping us a bit like Andre Santos. He's a great squad player. Um, he's versatile. He'll do a job for us. He might get better. His value might increase a lot of things, but it's kind of trending towards an exit. I mean, I think even more than than Gallagher in a way, because at least Gallagher's playing well. At least Gallagher, everything's working out for him. Like, you know, when he wears the Chelsea badge, he's loving it. Um, but Matson doesn't get on the pitch very much. He doesn't get on the pitch in the right position. Um, so it, it it could be a case of, you know, it would be sensible to sell him, in my opinion. Um, whether that's in January, I don't know. It, it takes a club to bid what Chelsea want or Chelsea lower the asking price. The other thing I wrote in my article about Matson was just, if Chelsea get offered a player a good price, say like a striker, which they're sort of interested in, um, then they might sort of think, oh, well, maybe we can accept a bit less for Matson, just keep them keep the transfers moving, you know, get a bit of income in. Um, to sign him sort of thing. So um, there's a lot going on there with Matson. It's very, very complicated, um, but it's sort of trending towards an exit, you know, in the next six months at, at the very least. And maybe I, I'd put Dortmund as a really strong contender for his signature for sure, um, from what I'm hearing. Any other teams in contention as it stands today? Well, obviously Burnley, but um, yeah, West Ham have uh, definitely got an interest, but I don't know if it's a Moyes player. Moyes likes big boys and... Uh, Matson's not a big boy. Um, I, I've seen like AC Milan links and people like that. I think there's a lot of European names as well that we, we've not really got yet. Um, I think there's a lot of big boys in Europe waiting. And when it gets down to 12 months, they're all waiting to think, oh, Chelsea will lower their asking price when it's um, you know 12 months left on his deal. And, and I think Matson could be tempted by a massive European club, but you know, one of those ones that don't pay as much, but you know, give you a great opportunity. I think that's the kind of club that could end up winning the race for Matson. Uh, also noted, although by Rudy Galetti, that Trev Chalaba is is being offered to clubs. He, he says AS Roma. Any smoke around Trev in the January transfer window? Yeah, I think that Chelsea would sell him, um, but uh, he's injured and it's not helping his market. Bayern Munich have been interested in him, Forest, uh, Roma, so there's three teams for you, but I don't think Chelsea really are bothered about loaning players out while they've got an injury crisis as well. So it's like Roma want him on loan, I think Bayern want him on loan as well. Uh, Forrest would do a deal, but I think Trev's not too interested in that. A bit like Matson not being interested in Burnley, these guys kind of want to push themselves to the highest level, they're willing to wait um, until the summer if they have to to get the biggest possible club, the best possible move. 
Um, but then Trevor's also injured, so um, you know it's it's sort of slowing down his market massively. So as a, as of today, he's another one I could see him staying um, for six months, get himself super fit, play a few games for Chelsea, probably mostly from the bench. And then, you know, he's a great squad player, great to have around, great character. And then maybe, you know, he looks in the summer. His contract's actually got loads of time on it because Chelsea renewed it last year. But, um, but yeah, uh, it sort of looks like Chelsea are ready to sell him at some point. Um, they've accepted also on deadline day a £25 million bid from Nottingham Forest. So it shows that, um, they you know, Chelsea would do a deal um, around that sort of figure so if people looking at figures uh, I think that that's the sort of figure they'd accept so um, yeah that's Shalabar's situation very quiet right now um, but it'll either happen at the end of the window or when he's fit or or maybe even not until the summer I think last one is Lewis Hall um, obviously a lot of like will he won't he it seems as if he's gonna stay um, at Newcastle past uh, the uh, loan period that he's on. He hasn't played a whole lot uh, despite their injury crisis for reasons passing understanding. I think he played more at Chelsea last year than he's playing in Newcastle. But what are your thoughts on, on Lewis Hall? Yeah, I think he's probably struggled at Newcastle, but I don't think that means that doesn't mean that Newcastle don't rate him or anything like that. So I do think they're going to sign him. Um, I'm not sure exactly how the mechanism of the clause works, but um, like all the reporting said, and, and my reporting has been like that the whole way through, that he's just very likely to join Newcastle at the end of his loan. It's It was even the word obligation was used in the Newcastle press release. So they've um, they very much know that it's, it's going to happen. Um, I think Chelsea fans sort of willing him to stay, but I don't think it's going to. He he's going to end up at Chelsea by next season. It's going to be. It's not certain, but it's very unlikely he'll be at Chelsea. And I think that he's getting a lot of love at Newcastle as well. I think they expect a player to struggle like him. I mean, let's not forget we we always forget how young he is. He is so young. He's barely just turned. I think nineteen. Nineteen. Maybe, yeah. He just turned nineteen. I mean, he's been a professional player for one year. I mean, he's not, I think what, you know, he's he's got to get his fitness up. He's got to know how to handle a game. He's now a big money signing for Newcastle. That's another thing to handle. At Chelsea, he was just an academy player when everyone's playing terrible. And he, he only needs to be better than the terrible players at Chelsea last season. Now he has to play at, you know, a club where he's a, a big money signing under pressure. So um, there's there's a lot to adapt to for him. Um, and I think that, that, that he... Newcastle respect that. They still think he's a good player, but they're just sort of taking it a bit slow with him. And um, maybe that's the right thing to do. We're not in the building and, and maybe young players need a bit of protecting and that sometimes is the right thing to do, you know? 100%. Well, uh, that's the transfer outs section. Um, did I miss anyone, Naz? Anyone else uh, sparking interest right now? No, I always keep it like the three academy boys there. They're the pure... Three. <laughs> Your profit three. God, God damn it. All right. Well, look, we're going to take a final ad break, then get into the transfer ends and the rest of the January match fixtures. So we will be right back. All right, Naz, transfer ends. Uh, people are very excited about this, although your most recent articles have suggested that this might be a quiet transfer window for, for Chelsea Football Club from an ends perspective. Obviously, striker being kind of the most um interesting slash pivotal role with nico jackson heading out on uh, afcon duty with senegal 
um, you wrote that uh, Osimhen and uh, Tony are kind of the two favorite options for Chelsea, but both are deemed really expensive to sign in January. We all know that January is not a phenomenal buying market anyway, and both are very expensive. Um, give us a quick update on on those two and what Chelsea are looking at to to potentially try and sign them, whether it's now or, you know, in a future window. Yeah, I think Chelsea are like looking at all options. Um, sometimes like stuff randomly comes up at the end of a transfer window. Some circumstances have happened that make a striker available. Um, but I don't think Tony and Ossiemen are going to be like that. They're the kind of players you have to plan to sign. Um, I mean, money can always force a deal. Chelsea did that last January with loads of great players, uh, Mudrick, Enzo, um, and and several others. So you can force a deal, but like forcing a deal with certain players is very expensive. And and I think that that's where Tony and Ossiemen come in. Ossiemen just renewed his contract to Napoli, but he's put a massive release clause in. Now, um, that's good. Napoli sort of accepts that they're going to have to let Osimen go at some point, but they're like, he's only going for this fee. Um, that's their mentality. It's like, nope, we're not negotiating this fee or nothing. We know what Napoli are like. They're always difficult. I mean, even getting Sari was difficult as a manager. <laughs> Never mind. Uh... Isn't $112 million kind of what you expect to pay for him, though? Like, I, I was surprised that it wasn't like $180 million that they put in as a clause. It, was this simply just to get the guaranteed money basically because his market value could potentially dip if he has a bad second half of the season or something like that. Yeah, you're right, Nick. I think some, some release clause are designed to never be met, but this is the kind of release clause where they're like, we're happy if you meet it, you know, but you just have to meet it. That's, you know, that's it. Um, this is our price. Uh, it makes everything simple. I think a lot of players like doing that nowadays. We've seen uh, Michael Lee says renewed his palace deal and put in a release clause and, it's like, yeah, everyone's a winner. This is we're Napoli, we're not Chelsea, we're not, you know, Man United, Man City, we're not the richest. So come and come and spend our clause. We we invite you to do so, but this is what it costs. Yeah. And that's that's the situation with Austin Men. Um I think Brentford are in a sort of similar situation with, with Tony, but he's not got a clause, but it's just like they accept they're a selling club, they're always happy to let players go. Um, but they're in a relegation battle now. They kind of need Tony. Um, and Buermo's out for a long time. Um, and it would take a large amount of money, um, like 100 million ish. And um, maybe clubs will look at that and just think, why should we overpay for Tony when he's probably cheaper in the summer? Then Brentford have time to secure a good replacement, you know, um, all that kind of thing. And there's also a bit of a risk around is he still the same player after the, um, the ban? Yeah. So, yeah, let Brentford rehabilitate him. Let them go through the pain of it. Let them fight against relegation while while bringing Tony back and maybe wait till the summer. So I could see that being Chelsea's calculation on those two. And then it's about how far do we drop down the list to get a striker? Do we go for a, a lesser striker? Um, but will that hamper us in the future? Um, what will it mean for Breuer? What will it mean for Nkunku? What will it mean for Jackson in terms of minutes for the future? That's kind of like the calculation here. So I think Chelsea are going to really think this through. And I think part of the picture is looking at how Breuer and Christopher and Kunku do now um, in the next few weeks while while Jackson's out. Jackson being out at the AFCON is, is a bit of a blow for Chelsea because he's done okay. I think he's done better than many people give him credit for. But um, it also gives Chelsea an opportunity to look at Armando Breuer and look at um, Kunku. They're fit enough to play now um, some minutes. 
they'll share the minutes up front and we'll see if them two can fire goals. And, and you know, I think Breuer desperately needs a goal. Watching him play, man needs a goal. So I'd start him versus, uh, versus Preston, sorry. And uh, yeah, hopefully he bags and, and proves to everyone because Breuer is the kind of player that almost every Premier League club would sign and is the kind of player that he might be struggling now, but he could burn you in the future. He could really burn you if he, if he reaches level. Clubs like Breuer. They think he's really good. So um, it's an interesting uh, situation now if um, if Breuer can sort of make that spot his own and, and, and make sure that Chelsea don't sign a striker in a way. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because you mentioned like the profile of striker that Chelsea are looking for. They already did the experimental purchase of Jackson, you know, the, the kind of lower transfer fee, potentially high upside version of that. We already have Breuer from the academy who's a different sort of profile of striker than Jackson is. And then Nkunku is is the, the goal scorer, but isn't necessarily the center forward. Uh, so it's like it's like they tried to cabble together goals from different profiles. But the the Victor Osamans of the world, that sort of profile of striker would be a an impact play, right? That is the the more sure thing, uh, although I hesitate to say that with Chelsea's recent buying record on strikers. <laughs> Uh, then, you know, if you were to go after players like Garassi or Santiago Jimenez or Benjamin Sesco or uh, Artem Duboyex from, from uh, Girona, like th- those sorts of profiles of strikers maybe aren't, are closer to Jackson, I would suppose, than, than Osimhen. Have you heard anything on the additional kind of grouping there or anyone else that would potentially be of interest for Chelsea? Or are they going to stick with like the big name big profile guy yeah I think Chelsea know about those guys who are out there um I mean Garassi's quite gettable because he's got a release clause he's only like 15 million pounds which is crazy in this market but um yeah he's he's an option um and then yeah the other guys you say but they're all a bit of a gamble right so Sesco's not playing unbelievably well I don't think um I think he's at Leipzig now he was at um Salzburg I don't think he's playing unbelievably well. Um, and then, yeah, Jimenez as well. Like He's not had that much time in the spotlight. He's playing in lesser league. He's going to have similar problems to Jackson, you'd think. So um, it's kind of like, do we just get a body in because we need a body? And I don't think Chelsea do. And I think part of the problem that Chelsea have right now is, and 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 this is my take, is... Everyone puts the pressure on the strikers, especially Jackson, but like everyone else needs to chip in. Like Gallagher's been brilliant this season, but he's not scored a goal. Um, I think Palmer's the only one who's chipping in regularly, but a lot of his are penalties, let's be fair. Sterling, you can't guarantee on him scoring a goal. Like he wasted that chance against Wolves, which, you know, I think he should score if he squares it. He should score if he tries to score, but he didn't do it. He did basically the worst possible thing you could do in that situation. Yep. So like, Chelsea and Mudrick's not getting enough goals. Like Enzo, he's he's been terrible at finishing. Like, and he's played attacking midfielder for half the season. So, like, Chelsea need to find goals, like not just from the strikers, but around the team. And I think that even you know, I was saying about Breuer and Jackson, uh, Breuer and and Kunku, their form is going to be interesting now. It could stop Chelsea signing a striker, but at the same time, the rest of the team they also need to step up and help. Like, not enough goals from corners, like. Thiago and Disasi. I remember Chelsea winning the league and Gary Cahill had like seven, eight goals, you know, from corners. That's that sort of thing would be massive. You'd be one of Chelsea's top scorers these days with that. So um 
Yeah, that's the kind of situation Chelsea are in, is that they don't get enough goals from the, around the team as well. Um, and that I think that could... I think the the thought of that may be happening if Poch improves the team um, in the next few games. I think that that could sort of dampen it. And, and we saw Madueke score as well recently and things like that. So there, there is, there's potentially goals in that squad. It's just not come so far. Yeah, I, the striker situation is going to be fascinating. I think only, at least the way I'm looking at it, I'm not a reporter, but only another injury to Nkunku or Roya would potentially throw Chelsea back in for one of the other guys. I'm going to just lump them in as the other guys. And uh, it does not seem like Tony or Osamen is, is really truly available. It's, they're like half available, uh, but certainly not for negotiation. Um, so interesting on the attacker. You also wrote that, uh, you know, a player that you mentioned on the pod before Antonio Nusa um, is someone the club admire, but it's certainly not someone that they're going to chase in January. It's not the right profile of player. Um, it's kind of the, the tricky winger type uh, of which Chelsea have a, a plethora of options right now. So, that may be a, a future transfer window thing that Chelsea keep an eye on? Yeah, probably. I think um, well, the only thing that might change it, like, is if, say, Matson's sold and they decide definitely not to go for a striker because Breuer and Nkunku are doing really well up front and they just sort of think, oh, we like this guy, let's just get him in, make sure that no one else gets him. Chelsea do that sometimes. They're sort of like, let's sign a player. We know what the clubs want and we'll just make sure we get him. So he's ours. And then well, hopefully uh, he steps up and, and does a job. So there is a, I wouldn't completely rule it out, but because uh, Chelsea love this player, but um, I think everyone loves him. So uh, yeah, it might be a wait and see. And um, yeah, we'll see if he even wants to come to Chelsea with sort of, does he want to compete with Modric and Sterling and, and those guys and, and Cole Palmer, who's excellent. And I think he's best positioned now right wing. So uh, does he want to compete with those guys? I'd say Maybe not the best decision from his point of view, but um, that that that's sort of sometimes the players say no as well. So I could see that happening. The, the last area that, that you've updated on is is defender uh, in this window, something that I was extremely surprised by despite the injuries to to the fullbacks. Uh, we talked about uh, Claire Todibo. We talked about Diamonde from, from Sporting. What's going on with the defenders here? Is Chelsea really in the market for a center back or are they looking at more fullback options? Like, I guess I would potentially get fullback if there was an injury to Gusto or someone like that. But this, this kind of caught me by surprise. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I think that um, Chelsea just doing the normal thing that clubs do. And it's sort of like two plus two equals five sometimes, but they're just going around asking, sort of projecting for the future, signing the need. And, and the strike situation simple, uh, sim- is similar as well in that like, they're probably thinking the next two transfer windows, not just for this one. Um, and I think that that's what's happening with centre-backs as well. They're sort of checking out players, um, knowing that maybe clubs are interested in some of their targets. So like Jean-Claire Tadebo is a big target for many Premier League clubs, Man United, Tottenham really went in strong initially, but sort of backed out over the fee. Um, so like they're going, they're looking at these players that they know are going to have big markets and saying, you know what, we want to be in the conversation when they come available. So um, we've got Jean-Claire Tadebo and uh, Usman Diamande, who's a sporting defender, very young, but uh, playing every week at Sporting, who are top of the Portuguese league, kind of play a Chelsea-like. Um, and they've sort of gone in and said, what are the conditions to sign these guys, this, that, the other. 
Um, but yeah, I think your concerns are right. Chelsea have a lot of centre backs, and I think that maybe from their point of view, they wouldn't go because there's so many centre backs at Chelsea. Um, and um, yeah, maybe Chelsea also just think it's more one for the future, not for now. Um, but they they're getting linked to centre backs at the minute, and that's why because they're sort of active in the area. So if you see a centre back linked, it's probably because Chelsea have sounded out the player. But if if you're talking about are they going to pay 45 million, 50 million for a centre back in January, I'm telling you, almost certainly no. I don't see it happening at this stage, um, unless like you say, injury happens and and yeah, maybe the centre back can play at full back and sort of fill in there as well. So. Um, that's the only way I can see it happening, really. No more center backs at fullbacks, please. Um, look, I think that'll round out transfer talk. Uh, obviously, uh, we will stay in touch with you throughout January as, as things develop. Uh, but let's let's take a look at Chelsea's upcoming fixtures to close this one out because, uh, look, I think it's fair to say festive fixtures were a bit of a mixed bag, uh, although... You know, Chelsea did end it on a relatively positive note with a couple wins on the trot against Palace and, and Luton. Uh, not exactly the toughest competition, but uh, they were able to get that over the line. So uh, you kind of enter January, uh, a bit of a quote-unquote light January, uh, with a bit of optimism and, and potentially a chance to advance in three competitions, right? You kind of think about uh, where they are in the league. They're 10th in the league, but only now one point off of Newcastle, um, so Chelsea on 28 points, Newcastle on 29, United on 31, Brighton on 31, West Ham on 34. That, that's kind of my gettable range right now. Spurs are uh, 11 points away. That's, that's going to be a tougher ask. Uh, but what are your thoughts on, you know, before we get into the, the cup competitions, what are your thoughts about the league position and, and how that's kind of improved as of late? Yeah, they've kind of been the um, best of the worst in the past, and now they're the worst of the best. So uh, it's kind of, that's what I see Chelsea's sort of last two wins of sort of, uh, that's where they've put Chelsea right now. Um, They're in the kind of European group, um, and you say like they're in such a distance of of teams like Man United, Newcastle, Brighton. Um, They all have problems. West Ham playing really well sort of thing, but still play quite bad football and, you know, they've only got a certain amount of resources. So um, you'd expect Chelsea to be amongst that group. I, I sort of expect them to be in that group at, at the sort of start of the season. Um, and yeah, it's now time to sort of make sure Chelsea establish themselves in that race for at least Europa League. I mean, that's that's sort of where they should be, in my opinion. Um, uh, so yeah, league form, that's important. And then balance, you know, the cup responsibilities. It's probably going to be quite a busy week. It's going to feel busy, I think. Um, while the, you know, the the midweek games are on, the, the EFL Cups, they're massive games against Middlesbrough. I mean, the atmosphere against Newcastle was the best of the season. Um, I don't know if it came across to anyone oh, yeah. who watched the TV, but it was great. And um, it, it was really heartwarming. I think Chelsea needed that win. Um, and it was only on penalties, but... They needed it. They needed to get over the line. Mudrick's late goal. And uh, Middlesbrough is going to feel massive as well. Second leg at Stamford Bridge, but first leg away um, is going to be big. So, yeah, I think that um, those games will feel big, even though they're against championship opposition. And, um, yeah, then very winnable games, apart from maybe Liverpool away, you'd say. Um, so, yeah, let's see where Chelsea are at. But um, it, it's uh, it's looking better. I think I was very worried um, before the Palace game because Chelsea lost 
Cole Palmer and Raheem Sterling to suspension. A lot of injuries. I think they lost Leslie to injury during the match. Um, yep. And I was, and they just lost to Wolves and it was Christmas Eve and I was like, this is going to be a tough Christmas for Chelsea. And Palace had two more days extra rest and I was like, it's looking like a bad day that. And um, they got over the line there and, and well played to Chelsea for that because that was actually really tough in those circumstances. But they just got the job done. Um, and I think that that win has changed that win might be one of the most important of the season when we look back at it and it was a real tough moment. I know we probably don't talk about these things enough, but it was tough. It was massive, that win. And now it looks like a good picture for Chelsea, in my opinion. Yeah, so just to go through the the fixtures here, uh, only two Premier League fixtures in January because of the, the winter break uh, that has been instituted. So you play Fulham on January 13th and Liverpool on the 31st, so the very last day of the month. Uh, in between that, you have Preston on Saturday, January 6th, Middlesbrough on Tuesday, January 9th. So two quick uh, cup fixtures there to start the uh, the month. And then uh, the uh, or the home match against uh, Middlesbrough on the 23rd. So like right after the the winter break. And I think Chelsea's winter break actually gets cut a little short because of the, the EFL Cup, um, which is what it is at this point. Uh, but... You have only five matches, a chance to advance in all or in both of the cup competitions and to potentially pick up points. Uh, do you do you think Chelsea end January looking up at, you know, kind of same group, or do you think that they maybe slide into ninth or eighth? Um, I could just see a lot of steps forward and a lot of steps back, but because the games are quite favourable, um, I could see them making maybe a tiny bit of progress, but you'd look at Liverpool away, I think, probably not going to win that on corrupt form. I mean, anything could change, still a long way away. Uh, maybe Chelsea will improve, but they've got to get better. They're still not playing as good as they need to be, in my opinion. Um, I think they need to step it up. I mean, getting past Preston should be fine. Middlesbrough probably fine in corrupt form, but... Fulham, you could see them drawing that unless they're in better form and, and things like that. So I think they need to just step it up. They do need to step up performances a little bit. I thought the Luton performance was really good until the 70th minute and when the subs happened, both team, one team got better, one team got worse. So, um, yeah, I think Chelsea, it's about bringing players back to get the level up. It's about improving because the players are back and, and the tactics are improving and all that kind of thing. So, um, they need to try and get the level up and um, the games being favourable is an opportunity to treat them maybe not like a training session but get Breuer up to speed get Nkunku up to speed and things like that to just lift the level up a little bit and, and maybe the break can help a few players as well so uh, yeah I'm definitely more positive now but I think Chelsea still need to progress in the you know the level of performance needs to keep improving if they're going to achieve anything this season um, that's still massively paramount can we quickly touch on injuries to end this one? Because it's the never-ending saga at Chelsea. Uh, my count is that we have one, two, three, four, ten current injuries. Does that sound accurate to you? It's hard to keep up uh, with everyone, but I have uh, Carney, uh, Chukomeka, Robert Sanchez, Batty Shield, Ugo Chukwu is kind of short to medium term, and then Long-term as Fafana, Reese James, Romeo Lavia, Marco Correa, Ben Chilwell, uh, Trev Chalaba. Is there anyone that I'm missing in there? You say Sanchez or... Yep, San missed? yep, yep. 
in the on the way back category. Yeah, um, yeah, I think that's everyone, and then uh, Jackson's out of the Afcon. Um, yep. Yeah, that's it. I think. Um, any any updates on the on the way back crew? The Carney Chukwemeka's, Robert Sanchez's, Batty Shields, Ugachukwu's, um, any of those guys. Yeah, um, Chilwell is closest, I think, to returning. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, he's actually getting very close. Um, I, I actually spoke to him after one of the games. He was like, I'm coming back soon, don't worry about it, sort of thing. And uh, he's been pitching in training recently. I don't know. I think it's partial training sessions at the minute. Um, but he's getting he's getting close. Um, I could see him maybe returning from the bench in the in the coming weeks. He'll be back in January for sure. Shalabar is expected back in January as well. Um, so that'll be good. And, and Shalabar can play multiple roles, so it is quite big. Um, I think Carney's being eased back in. Um, he is really pushing to return in January as well, so he could be back. Um, but um, they're being quite careful with him. His injury was, like, way worse than they expected. Um, so... Uh, he should have. Everyone thought he'd be back ages ago by now, but he's, he's sort of keeps getting pushed back and back. But he's like, when I go down to Cobham, he's training on the pitches. He's he's looking strong. He's sort of training with Chilwell and Shalabar, but they they just keep holding him back a little bit. Um, you know, Sanchez isn't that far away either. Um, but like his is an awkward injury from what Potts was saying. Uh, he was sort of saying that they're taking it week by week. He'll be out for a minimum of. I think he said three weeks, um, but it's been about three weeks now. And then they're just taking it week by week because he's got some kind of knee injury. Um, it was like a bad impact injury, I think. And um, they're just sort of seeing how the knee reacts every time they step up his rehabilitation. They're sort of seeing how it reacts. So uh, he could be back soon, um, but it's a very much a case of we're trying to bring him back through physiotherapy, through rehabilitation, that kind of thing. and. It's never an exact science and you don't know how the body's going to react when he's like back fully training and things like that. So yeah, yeah, hopefully he can come back, but um, Petrovic doing a very good job by the way at the minute. And um, yeah, then from there on in, uh, Lavi is a concern. I mean, getting re-injured, uh, thigh injury, I think actually, but um, yeah, getting injured straight away after coming into the team. Um, yeah, that just smacks of poor conditioning generally for me. And to just play such short amount of minutes and get injured again, so his might be, you know, his might be a case of not only getting back but like training for a very long time to get to the to the level required not to miss games. Um, so that probably summarizes it. Um, yeah, I'm not sure on Cucurella's return date yet. He's had surgery, so uh, yeah, I think that's everyone, unless I've forgotten someone. But uh, yeah, it's hard to keep track sometimes, honestly, with these these injuries. So expect Chilwell and Shalabar back. I'm pretty excited about them too. You know, Chilwell, he could transform the team and, and bring a left back into left back position. So it could be quite a good thing. Let's hope for no re-injuries uh, in that group. That would be fantastic. Uh, look, we covered a lot of ground here today, Naz. Appreciate your insights uh, and reporting as always. Um, you know where to find uh, Naz and his work on Twitter at the Evening Standard. So please go check that out. And uh, look, uh, anything to close us out on this one? No, not really. Just, uh, yeah, just enjoy January. It won't be as chaotic as the last one, I don't think. Uh, and hopefully. And hopefully Chelsea just in that stage, I said it the other day to one of my friends, that they're in that stage where you're growing a beard 
and it looks a bit rubbish uh, for a while, but then it looks brilliant after, you know, you get past the rubbish phase. So I think Chelsea are in that phase and hopefully it all comes together and we're like, oh, that's why they've done all this this sort of mad money ball stuff. Straightforward January is what we could all uh, hope for uh, for the best possible. So, look, uh, Chelsea fans, we will be back, of course, with transfer coverage uh, throughout the entire month of January. But until next time, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.